Well, good morning. It's so great to gather here as True North Church. If we haven't had the chance to meet, my name's Phil. I'm part of the team here, and it's going to be just a great thing today to be able to gather together under the name that is above every other name, which is Jesus. And I hope you've been blessed already by what it means to gather together to declare that truth. You know, I had, a, I had an interesting experience on Friday night when I sat down to watch Game 2 of the NBL Grand Final Game Series. Anyone watch that with me on Friday night? And of course, Andrew Bogut, hanging on to the last vestiges of his career, was able to secure a win for the Sydney Kings, which was disappointing. But Perth Wildcats, we've got, a, we've got another chance next week, and so hopefully they can recover and we'll get game three down. But, but of course, the really notable thing about the game on Friday was that there was no fans in the building. So they cancelled fans from showing up to our National Basketball League Grand Final Game 2. And did anyone get a chance to see that? And you see the, the em empty arena other than the, the players' families taking up the first first couple of rows. And, and for me, that was one symbolic moment amongst many symbolic moments in the past couple of weeks that, that speaks into the reality that we're facing something out of the ordinary at the moment as the coronavirus spreads and has an impact in different nations around the world. And it's a, it's a moment where it, obviously it has massive implications for, for our health systems and people working in that space and what it means to take care for one another and look after the most vulnerable within our communities. But there's also an interesting flow-on effect to some of the social realities and how we engage with one another interpersonally in the context of community. And there's lots of different responses from people when we face together a crisis like this. And if you spend any time in your social media or other spaces, you'll know that you can experience the full gamut of human emotions and responses to what we're facing together. You might log on and you might see, uh, you might see some frustration, maybe some judgment, you might see some worry, some fear or panic. You might see some humor. You might see a touch of denial. You might also see some great helpful information that can bring peace and hope as we navigate this together. And as I consider all the ranges of uh, emotions and responses when we face something like this together, I think the best thing that we can do as a church here at True North this morning is to ask ourselves this question. How would Jesus see his church his followers respond to the situation that we face together in our world today? What would Jesus imagine the response of his church being to the challenges that we have in our local communities as we respond to, to the realities of the coronavirus? You know, there's an awesome passage of scripture that I want to use to speak into that conversation this morning. It comes from Matthew chapter 6, and it's from a, a collection of teachings that we come to call the, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus just gives a framework for what it means as followers of Him to live a life based on who He is. It's an awesome series of discipleship passages. And just before we get into this morning's passage, Jesus opens up this conversation around the broader realities of what life is in the context of eternity. He talks about storing up your treasures in heaven rather than storing your treasures in earth. And he gives us this reminder of the provision and the eternal provision that we have in the name of Jesus through his love for us. And then Jesus is going to speak into the space of worry. Let's read this passage together. And we're going to begin in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. You can read along, open up your Bible if you like doing that as well. 
Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? He's saying, trust in the presence and provision of your heavenly Father. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, a great king from, the, from Israel's history, in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Again, he's saying trust in the presence and provision of God. So do not worry, saying, what should we eat? What should we drink or what should we wear? It's almost as if Jesus now dramatizing some of the panic that can flow from a, from a heart of worry. For the pagans run after all these things, those that are separated from an understanding of who God is, His presence and provision. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And then listen to this in verse 33, maybe one that you've heard before. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, I love sitting in this passage with the realities that we face together at the moment. I love sitting in the heart that Jesus brings through this passage. And as a starting point, what I see here is almost Jesus presenting two different mental frameworks— a framework of worry or panic, and a framework of peace. And he's giving us these two, two ways in which we can operate when we, we operate in general how we live our lives, but then in particular how we respond to moments of challenge or crisis, which for us at this season is a, is a community thing. It's not an individual thing. Do we respond with panic or with peace? Now, I believe the reason that Jesus asked this question as I reflect on this text is because Jesus, like us, He knows that a framework of panic will produce a certain kind of behavior in our lives, that the condition of panic or worry will produce a certain kind of fruit in our lives, and also a foundation of peace and a framework of peace, that will produce something entirely different as well. And what Jesus is getting at when He talks about, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, He's talking about engaging with the heart of peace that allows the follower of Jesus to engage with His kingdom. So one of the challenges that we face as the church, as followers of Jesus, is how do we manage this tension between worry, fear, panic, and the peace that we have in the presence of God and His provision? You know, one of the things that I've learned about myself over the past couple of weeks as I'm engaging in media is that there are a lot of voices that can lead my thinking down a pathway of panic. And one of the things that I, I've just discovered about myself is that I need to limit the engagement that I have with media, the engagement that I have in social media, and I have to be selective and filter it. Say, for example, there might be a, a great Department of Health statement that I come across on Facebook, and probably lots of you have seen something like this, giving wise counsel about how to protect the most vulnerable in our community, washing our hands, staying home if we're sick, practicing social distancing, all these kind of things, which are great initiatives. But then here's a good line that I found engaging with social media, that you might have that helpful information at the start of the post, then you open the comments, right? <laughs> the first comment... 
it's kind of positive. The second comment, it, it's kind of neutral. And then the next 50,000 comments are insane <laughs> and producing panic and worry and hysteria and are grounded in nothing. So I found a filter for me is to minimize my engagement with media so I'm not feeding panic in my life. Even if it's on like a one or two scale on the panic scale, I don't want to be feeding anything that's producing worry and panic in me. Because if I have a framework of running of worry and panic, that will produce something in my life. Now, here's why I think this is so powerful and why Jesus speaks about it. We, can, we all kind of know the condition of panic. When someone experiences panic, they make bad decisions. They do crazy things. They do things that are out of character. And when you watch it happen in real time, it's a, it's a strange phenomenon. It's an unusual thing. But here's what I think at its core, what happens when someone experiences worry that leads to panic. It takes our focus and turns it inward. We're not able to think about others. We think entirely about ourselves and our own situation. So what panic does, it actually empowers selfishness. The panic empowers selfishness. So if I feed on sources of panic, I empower selfishness in my life. But here's what Jesus is getting at when he talks about seeking first his kingdom of peace and his righteousness is that peace does something entirely different. Peace empowers selflessness. The peace actually puts us in a position where we can demonstrate kindness to others. You know, there's a command at the center of God's kingdom of peace, a kingdom defined by selflessness. I think about Jesus and how he models his kingdom most powerfully by choosing the cross, sacrificing his life for the sake of everyone else. It's an act of selflessness, which is at the core of the kingdom of God. And then there's a core commandment, and you might have heard it before, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then the next part, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we've got some really interesting ways to demonstrate what it means to love our neighbor as ourselves in the, the current realities that we face in community. That for us right now, to love our neighbor means being diligent and washing our hands. To love our neighbor means making sure we stay home if we're feeling unwell. And you know what I love about this shift? And consider what our society is like, just for a moment. You, you might agree with me, you might not, but my, my, my perspective is that we live in a highly individualistic society. For a lot of us, we, we don't know a lot of the neighbours that live on our street. We don't have uh, a huge scope of relationship in the communities that we're living in. That's not the case in large parts of the world. But for us, we're pretty individualized. We think about ourselves, we think about our household. Now, what the coronavirus has done has forced us to think about community. And I love this, that it's actually forced us to take the perspective away from how does this impact me and my experience of life, but what choices do I need to make to protect the most vulnerable in my community? You know, when I hear that, it sounds a heck of a lot like the gospel of Jesus to me to be selfless towards others, to make sacrifices of myself so I can serve, protect, and demonstrate the love of God to people in my world. Man, that is the gospel. You know, I grieve for, for what the coronavirus has brought to our world and the loss of life, but I love that if an application could be that we need to get better at taking care of one another, then that is a powerful thing. 
And that realigns us with the kingdom of Jesus to seek first his kingdom of selflessness anchored in a desire to love one another as ourselves. Now, we can only do that from a place of peace. We can only do that from a heart that's at peace. You know, one of the ways we can build that peace within our own lives, within our own hearts, as we read, engage with media, have conversations and experience the challenges that may or may not come in the days to follow. One of the things that we can do, instead of feeding on panic and fear, you know what one of the best things we can do? It's get the core information that we need from Department of Health, government bodies, to listen to wise counsel, to do what each of us need to do to protect one another, and then instead of going through all the comments, turn it off and begin to pray. Say, Jesus, would you be with our health professionals in the weeks to come? Jesus, would you be with all of our grandparents in the weeks to come? Jesus, would you protect the most vulnerable within our communities? And then just begin to worship him. Open up your Spotify, however you listen to music, and praise the name of Jesus, that Jesus, even through this, you are worthy of praise. You know what that does? That feeds on peace. And so the internal framework of your life shifts from fear to peace. And then when you have enough people operating from a place of peace, it changes the narrative. It changes the narrative that we are experiencing in our communities. It will change the narrative in your workplace, change the narrative in our school communities, change the narrative in our supermarkets as we carry the peace of who Jesus is. You know, a lot of you would have seen that, that Italy is a nation that's been impacted particularly strongly uh, by the coronavirus, and now they're in a position where they've, they've locked down uh, people in their households, closed businesses, and, and really it's an extreme measure to limit the, the impact and the, the infection of the virus as it spreads. And, uh, and there's, a, there's a sense that I was imagine that as a reality, actually being confined to homes, that you imagine the kind of stress and anxiety that that might cause, people unable to go to work, small businesses failing, thinking more broadly about the implications on the economy for their nation, all kinds of sources of worry. But one of the really incredible things that's come out in a positive aspect of social media is there's, there's and if, I, if I'm hearing the story properly, that in the evenings in these densely populated areas in, in Italy, that at six o'clock, families come out to the balconies and they sing together. They sing and they just proclaim songs of joy. And I actually want to show you this. If you haven't had a chance to see one of these, we're going to take a look at an Italian community. <laughs> How good is it? <laughs> I love this. Check out that lady leaning out of the window with a tambourine. It's so good. It's like a, it's like a Disney movie. I, I love the joy that's just coming out of this expression of community as they, they, they leave their homes, get on the balconies, and they just sing together, and they speak out joy. They speak out peace. And I love it that it's a way of transforming the narrative within those communities, that they say, no, it's not about the panic, the worry, the fear. There is still hope, and they sing it out. You know, I want to show you one more picture. There's, a, there's a, a lone trumpeter that stands out on his balcony. And he just, as he rings out this song of hope and, and peace over, over his local community. Let's check this one out.
How cool is that? Imagine communities in lockdown. Some guy reaches for what he has to declare peace into a community. For him, it's a trumpet. He knows he can play that. He knows he can declare a song of peace and hope and joy over that place. And so he reaches for it and he does it. Now, I think here's the great question for us to ask as the church, as followers of Jesus gathered together and scattered in our communities, is what is it that we're reaching for to declare the peace of Jesus in the season that we find ourselves in? What is it that we're reaching for? Is it a presence of peace on social media? Is it conversations of peace and hope and trust in your families and workplaces? Is it being a person that carries hope, joy, and peace, tuning out the negative voices? Being a person that's wise and vigilant, but filled with hope and peace. You know, I want to pray for us this morning that our response as a church would be grounded in peace. I want to pray for each one of us against the the part of our heart that's given to, to worry or even panic and to say that as the church, we have something to reach for in Jesus so that we can love our community and change the narrative from fear to peace as we're vigilant in protecting those that are most vulnerable in our community together. Not out of fear. We don't make changes out of fear. We make changes because we desire to serve and love the most vulnerable in our community. Can we stand together? I'd love to pray for us as a church. Let me pray for you. I want to pray that that each one of us, we could be those carriers of peace. God, I want to thank you that you are the God of provision and peace. Lord, I want to thank you for the, the picture Jesus you provide in us, provide for us in Matthew chapter 6, the God who is present and the God who cares and the God who is a provider. Jesus, regardless of the situations we face in our city, in our world, God, I pray that we could be people of peace in the understanding of who you are, Jesus. And God, I pray that each person in this room, Lord, that you would lead us to the thing that we can reach for in our own lives to declare peace and hope in times of crisis, Lord God. God, help each person here, myself included, to be a part of shifting the narrative to one of peace, shifting the narrative to one of loving one another. Jesus, could we champion that as your followers? We praise you, God. Amen. Amen. Awesome. You can take us. Here's Dean. (laughs) Hey, can we thank Pastor Phil? Give him a clap. Thank you so much for that message. And I love, I love that idea, you know, shifting that narrative towards peace. Um, you know, what I want to share with you now as well is just going to be a little bit of uh, what, what will be our, our plans for this next little stretch of time uh, as a community at, at True North um, and just give you a feel for those things. So, and all of this from that place, exactly as, as Phil said so well, all of this from a heart to love and to serve and all that from a place of peace and in just a desire to love our community and to model that uh, in our world. Uh, here, as many of you know, on the, on the weekend, uh, the government recommendation put forward was for uh, gatherings of 500 or more uh, to, to stop meeting at, at those scales. Uh, and the reason as well, to slow the transmission, and again, is something that's just going to protect people widely and, uh, and trying to see the, the, the best outcomes uh, much wider. And so... Uh, our services are kind of unique. Uh, we don't have a particular gathering of 500 in one room at one time, um, but 
between our, say, couple services across and kids, we felt, our leadership team, that it was best to just treat our Sunday gatherings as they currently uh, take place as a gathering of 500, and so we're going to use the government recommendations in those spaces. So what that means is we will not have our usual uh, 8.30 and 10 a.m. services uh, next Sunday. And then we'll see, uh, obviously, as many of you know, communication's always changing and uh, where things are at uh, is constantly evolving at the moment. Uh, but while that recommendation's in place, we won't have our usual Sunday gatherings. Uh, what we are going to look to do, because obviously there's not been a recommendation that we should all just avoid human contact or anything like that, uh, is we're going to look at how does gathering look as a church in this space um, while, while those recommendations are in place? We want to do our part to love and serve others. We want to do our part to be proactive. Uh, and so we're going to look at, okay, how can we do things differently in this time span? So we will be communicating this week. We're going to be spending some time just going, okay, how can we best be uh, the church of Jesus Christ in this moment and season? What's that look like for us as a community? Uh, and we'll be communicating some of those plans this week. Um, so during this week, we'll be putting things out on our website, uh, via email, uh, on social media, that kind of thing, all those channels um, that just let you know, here's, here's what's happening and here's what we'll, we'll be doing in some different ways. And, and, you know, whether it's a short time or long uh, coming up ahead. Uh, the second thing is if you were here last week, uh, we were talking about actually changing our service uh, structure uh, and times. Uh, and so, hey, no time like the present, right? We'll just, instead of changing times, we'll just do, let's just not meet on a Sunday next week. So um, it's, uh, it's worked out really well. So... Um, a little differently than imagined. But if you're wondering, so what about that? And when will those services start? You know what? Right now, everything is really TBA, to be announced. Um, there's so much change, you know, that we're, we're just going. Even Easter is a, a large gathering time for us. Uh, that's several weeks off. We'll see where things are at. But for right now, it will all just be to be announced. And so everything uh, is just we'll be communicating as we go. Now, what I think is... Uh, really unique in this time. And then, so I, I want to be clear on that. So our usual services will not happen because they are a larger scale gathering, but we are just going to look at what are all, all the other ways that we can gather. And I think that's kind of an exciting thing in a lot of ways. Uh, in fact, what I want to encourage you is that as we look at this, um, you know, one of the things we know is that God uses all things, even the bad things in this world and, and the effects that the virus has had on people and, and lives and all these things. But God uses everything uh, he can for good. And we want to lean into how, how can God just use the current cultural reality uh, for good. Uh, one of the things I think we'll see and, and need to lean into is that the changes that will need to be made will undoubtedly always bring about new things. Uh, how many people have given somebody a low five uh, recently? You give a low five, you know, elbow bump. Uh, here's what I love about that. Do you know the human, and this is one of the great things about all the social distancing, what it actually highlights is how profoundly humans desire to connect with one another. I think it's such an amazing thing. This is how God's created us. Human beings will always connect. And if you've felt that, you know, kind of, ah, oh, I want to hug you, but I can't. It's like we know as humans we just desire to express connection with one another. Um, but we're always going to find new ways to do that. You know, I think low fives are pretty cool. Maybe that'll stick around. I don't know. I sent somebody a fist bump emoji this week. They wrote back with a foot. They're like, don't be, 
don't be fist bumping me uh, emoji. I don't know where those electrons have, you know, can, anyway. But, um, you know, uh, this is the thing I, I want to show us. There will be new things that come out of this, and we shouldn't approach it with kind of what can't we do, but we should approach it with what can we do. Um, one of the things that I think, and I want to encourage you on this, that I, I believe is, is going to be an outcome is that it will, the, all these changes will force us as a church, as a community, as a tribe of followers around Jesus to move from casually being engaged with one another at times to actually being connected. Um, one of the things that, that we know everything right now, it will be really difficult to be casually engaged and know what's happening. You actually have to kind of connect in and go, what's happening this week? What's happening tomorrow? Because it could change at any time. Um, and one of the, the pictures that I think it will come out of this is we have to move from being more comfortable with fixed ways of operating and get more comfortable with more fluid ways of operating. Um, most of us are used to the way church, it's like we all can just know uh, 8.30 and 10 a.m., set it and forget it until Jesus comes back. That's when everybody's going to be there. And uh, if Jesus hasn't come back, I'm sure it will happen. It's so easy to have a real fixed mindset of what it looks like uh, to gather as a church. And one of the things we're going to have to get better at is going, how do we be the church more fluidly? And I think that's going to be a really positive uh, thing. Uh, you know, in the Old Testament, you see these two different ways of operating. You have the, the tabernacle, um, that says temple to temple. I realize that's not what it should say. Um, but the, the, you have the tabernacle where God's people first, they have this, you know, basically mobile tent that they set up. And that's where worship happens. And they carry it around. And when the cloud moves, they move. And it's real fluid. Uh, there's a shift there where they build a temple. And worship is now more fixed in one spot. This isn't a what's better, what's worse. It's just these are different ways of operating. Uh, what never changes is a desire to connect with one another and in worship of God. Um, but what I think we will be able to lean into in this season is we have to get much more fluid in how we do that. Uh, if we were going to set up, you know, if John and I were going, and maybe Kel, let's invite, should we invite Kel? Kel Kel's going to come too, and we're going to catch up uh, for a burger this weekend. Uh, and, and because you can't fit 500 people in a burger joint, so it's safe. We want a burger. Um, we just message each other and be like, let's meet there at 630. And then if I was like, oh, actually, I'm, I'm running a bit late because I was praying for somebody because that's what I do. I'm a pastor. And so, you know, I'm just like serving the Lord and people, guys. So I'm going to be a little late for the burger. And, and I just message them, and that would be it. And here's the thing is the church sometimes we're like, we're a community. We're a tribe. But it's easy to just like, okay, this is how it must function. And this season we're going to go, how do we just be a little more fluid? How do we just stay in contact with one another and, and just engage with one and go, yep, here's what it's going to look like to love God, love each other, love our communities, to gather. and work. It's just going to all be a little bit more fluid uh, in this next little season. So I want to encourage you, one of the things you can do, um, if you don't get even just like the weekly email, stuff will be on our website. We'll send it out via email. It'll be on social media. I promise we'll keep Phil uh, away from putting any kind of fear-mongering stuff the way he just, you know, any of that crazy town stuff. We'll tell him no. Um, but uh, we'll be communicating on there. And, and, and so I just encourage you to stay connected. If you don't currently get our email, you can go to the website, click on what's on, scroll to the bottom, and you'll see just put in your name, and you'll get the email, and then you'll know uh, what's happening. Uh, and so we are shifting how we operate, but that is all we are doing out of a desire to love one another, to love others, um, and say, all right, God, how, how do you want to work in this season uh, in, in unique ways? You know, what, what's going to be consistent is 
the one thing we want to be known for, the one thing we want to define us is that we be known for love. Jesus said in John 13, 35, this is how the world's going to know you're my disciples. He's going to know it uh, by your love for one another. The world will know you are my disciples if you just love one another. Are you known for love? Are we known for the kind of peace that we talked about today? Are we known for being those uh, who, out of our faith in Christ, we are freed up to just love others. We don't have to panic and hold on to stuff. We're just known, known by love. And we want to be known by love. A lot of churches will make different decisions how to engage in this space. Uh, some of you may think, hey, we as a church, our leadership is making good decisions or bad. Like, there's all kinds of decisions that are perfectly valid in this moment. And what we want to do is say, no matter what, we want to be known for love. And if we do that well and we, we strive for that, we're moving in, in the right direction. So I'm going to invite you to stand. I want to pray. I'm going to invite our team up. Uh, we're going to sing because, hey, we're here. We're, we're here. We're gathered. Who knew this is like, this is a privilege. This is an opportunity. You know, it's a blessing to be able to do this. And we're going to sing. Uh, we're going to sing. Uh, are we singing one more song together? What, what do you reckon? I was going to ask you if that's all right. If you're not busy, engage right now. And there's, whoa, 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 maybe a little distance. So I'm just, uh, it's, I'm just joking. This is terrible. I'm supposed to pray. Um, do you want to come for a burger? Anyway, but um, uh, are we singing one song, two songs? What are we going to sing? We're going to do two songs. We're going to do two songs. Yeah. What are the songs we're going to do? We're going to lead in um, with I Will Exalt You. I Will Exalt You All. You know, and it, that's gonna, how good is that going to be? And I just want to encourage you because, it, you know, it is, I think, one of the beautiful things about this moment is it just reminds us none of this is to be taken for granted. It's a blessing and a, a privilege and a wonderful, beautiful thing to gather with other believers and say we're all going to exalt God together. There's something special about it. So let's not miss that and let's take that opportunity to exalt him together. I want to pray. Would you bow with me for a moment? Our Father in heaven today, we thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are on your throne. That your love and your peace is available to each one of us. Lord, we all came here today because we want to gather to exalt you, to worship you, to lift you up, to declare your goodness in this world. And I pray that as we sing together, God, our praises will be pleasing in your sight they would honor you. And I pray that, God, how we live in the days to come this week, let it exalt you. May we be your light in this world. And, God, I want to pray for your church at True North, the body of believers. Lord, we're not defined by what time or what our service looks like. We're defined by being a people committed to you and to one another. And I pray that your spirit will do mighty things in our midst this next one week, two weeks, whatever this season would be. God, would you do mighty things in our midst and in our communities and in this world, things that exalt your name. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody agreed, said, amen. Come on, let's exalt him together. Let's lift him up together.